Welcome back to Post-Mormon at the For Now miniseries, but not for very long because we are at the finale of Under the Banner of Heaven. I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And we've got Kyle and Jenny here. You guys have gone the distance with us. <laughs> it's been a real journey. We're here for the final final installment of Under the Banner of Heaven. And then maybe we'll give you guys your podcast back. Still kind of TBD <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, It's re- really we'll enjoying see. spending Friday nights with you guys. <laughs> We'll see who who gets it at the end. Like we'll we'll have a custody <laughs> battle. <a> coin. <laughs> well, post Mormon and current Mormon at the movies just doesn't have the same. Doesn't roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if our listeners know, but like these have been our most popular episodes by far. Yeah. And uh, is it the show? Is it you guys? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll just keep y'all around. Is it our friendly banter? Is yeah. it- <laughs> Under the banter of heaven, new podcast. <laughs> oh, close it up. We, we don't need any more listeners. Anyway, welcome new listeners and goodbye new listeners. <laughs> nice having you. again i mean maybe maybe we were just like you know having a little bit of lightheartedness before we have to yeah jump into this episode you know yeah this was a heavy one for sure it was literally longer Mm -hmm. like that's one thing i think just to like give a quick recap in case you're like where are we in the story i mean this is basically like everything all roads have now sort of led to in the investigation like it's ron and dan we just got to find them and it's sort of tracking you know where did they go and and so they're you know Pyrie and and Tava's investigation leads them to sort of their accomplices after they were kicked out of the school of the prophets and then sort of that leads them to Reno Reno, and Reno this Nevada. casino yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then we you know we end up finding them finally there while we're also going through sort of Jeb's personal crisis of faith the ramifications of that when we say finally found them, we literally checked the timestamp, you know, you know, for those following along, Kyle, you know, Kyle's upset that we haven't been able to find the brothers. Brothers were not in custody until eight minutes before the end of the entire series. Of a 90 so, minute episode. Um, right. And then so we're never took seen us a while. again. It took us, yeah, took us a while to get there, but we did, we did find Dan and Ron Lafferty eventually. Um, you know, I did look up, you know, like we said before, like we haven't read, none of us have read the book and sort of mm-hmm. just taken the show on its own. But I did look up, were they really found in a bathroom? I, in did, this I did the same thing. And I, yeah. And I so love tell us, the Nick, real story. The real story is that they were just in line for a buffet at the casino, <laughs> which like, why did they change that? Like, oh. That's I, a great, I also, the most Mormon thing ever. Like you get arrested and in line for a buffet. They got their plate. They're filling it up. Honestly, I, I Googled the same thing, like actively as they were hiding in the bathroom stall. I was like, is this what happened? And then it was a buffet line in Reno, Nevada. I'm like, 
okay, I get how they wanted to build the tension, but that seems right. like a real missed opportunity. Um, <laughs> and was one attempting to strangle another with a crab leg or something? Like, <laughs> just, just I think they did. Thing. They did conflate that with like uh, Ron did try to kill Dan while they were awaiting trial, like in in oh, prison. In prison. Okay. And so, and, and sort of the same thing, like that. Okay. Ron was like, "God's told me you need to be atoned next." And okay. That reminded me of every like crime show when the criminals are like, okay, we're all going to split the pot. And then at the end, it's like, actually, if I kill you, I get more money. Like to me, that's what it all came down to. It's like. Well, another, um, in other like crime shows, when the criminals are backstabbing each other, they usually don't stop to pray about whether the backstabbing (laughs) is is okay though, which was a nice little touch. Dan's just like, yeah, let's, let's pray about it. Let's see if the, if you should kill me. Yeah, I'll be haunted by Dan Lafferty. What do you think? You know, the way he talks for a long time, the nasally. He's just, you know, he's just, let's let's just talk about it. Oh, and just the way, yeah, just his little creep. cadence of his speech is so mm. weird. Well, and then especially in this episode where he breaks into Brenda's home twice, mm. technically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he is a terrifying individual. And yeah. it's so, uh, what they've done with his look as well, I think was an interesting way to see the decline like he's been mm-hmm. creepy from the beginning but now he just looks manic and like scary i i would fight him coming in my door as well mm-hmm. um and seeing the dynamic between him and ron where it seems like ron is maybe getting nervous or whatever and dan he i think he was trying to prove himself you know ron was kind yeah. of coming a little bit unhinged and so then dan's saw an opportunity i think and wanted to yeah, but that was, himself. um, I just got really sad. Like, this is a true murder. Mm-hmm. Like, this happened. This is a real woman with a family. What kind of monster kills a baby? Like, you know, I know we've, we've talked about so many things in this series and textures of Mormonism and laughing about you know, all sorts of things, but it was kind it was just sobering to be like, wow, monsters exist. And this was horrifying. Everything about this was horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, I mean, cutting someone's throat, like that's a violent, violent way to kill people. Um, and it just, it it was very sobering, I thought. And it made, obviously I think they had to have it for what the show, the, the thesis of the show about violent history and all of that. Um, but where I've been able to handle some of the Mormon history violence and other things, um, just thinking about a young mom and her baby being murdered was really well, it was, it was a lot. It was, it was heavy. Um, yeah, yeah those are really effective scene in, I think, you know, all the things you're talking about of the emotion of it, but I think especially like, like, obviously I didn't expect the show to sort of show anything more like graphic mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, there was a respect and sort of a, like, and we like learned that for in the- Brenda in the first episode, right? Like we kind of mentioned the right. same thing where it was about reactions. They weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't going for the grisly aspect. Um, but just having like, like her pleading going to like condemning them, right. knowing like she's not getting out of this, like uses that moment to say like, you know, yeah. you guys are going to hell for uh-huh. what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I do want to say the, um, so Brenda's sister is very active and there's a under the banner of heaven Facebook group. And, um, you know, she had mentioned in a post that like, she wouldn't be watching this final episode, obviously, cause that's right. very triggering and traumatic, but 
Um, she has had said several times, um, and I, I think this is worth mentioning that Brenda, you know, through the autopsy and what they learned after the fact, like Brenda fought for a really long time against um, those two men. And I just think um, this, I think it's um, obviously tragic that she died and that this happened, but um, the fact that she did fight them and that she had been fighting them a long time, like fighting fundamentalism and fighting right. their extremism. And um, it just makes it all the more heartbreaking that she, she really was trying. Um, and they're just forces and men bigger than she was. Uh, and that's a hard, that's a hard thing. And, you know, yes, Mormon history is a violent history. And we see, obviously in this episode, we also get to Mountain Meadows Massacre, which is very heavy. Um, but seeing it with an individual was, that was tough. I don't know. Well, especially because we've been, you know, six episodes before this through sort of her story and, yeah, to, you know, the, all the buildup makes it even worse. And especially like, like I kept thinking, because they go in to sort of like go into the house and the woman, like the neighbor comes mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like with her groceries and looks at them and goes in and, and we sort of get that parallel later with, um, Diana Diana and Matilda where like all these people are just watching this happen and like which I think was a powerful and very sort of like human but I think especially sort of like Mormon culture thing where like we don't want to like stir the pot don't stir the pot don't get into Mm -hmm. other people's business and unfortunate that I think that you know while the small day-to-day things like fine you know if, if you don't want to get involved most of that won't matter but when it really matters people still don't step up to the plate sometimes yeah they're, and, they're paralyzed or don't want to be rude or and I, I don't think it's necessarily i mean it's just not mormons that do that but yeah but i think there is something in the culture that helps you know add to that well i think we also see that there's an active part of the culture where um you know encouraging women to stay right. with their husbands or pray about it. Or I I think I literally had a friend text me today about really misguided advice from a church leader about if she prayed harder, her husband would be better. Like it isn't, um, we, we don't always guide people the right direction or, or, or know how to intervene with safety in mind. Um, and yeah, I definitely thought the Diana scene, especially where she tells them they should all be ashamed of themselves. And, you know, I, I do think it was intentional to have a Boy Scout troop, literal Boy Scouts <laughs> there, not doing anything. Not yeah. Doing yeah. anything. Um, and it's just heartbreaking. Uh, Before we get too re- removed from talking about Brenda, there's been a question that I've had for the past couple of weeks that we haven't talked about yet. So a lot of the like negative critical feedback coming back about this show has been the idea that, you know, we're taking this story about this real life um, woman and, and kind of the story of, you know, her horrifying murder, but, but then we're turning it. And like, it seems like in the show, there's a heavy focus on, you know, Jeb Pyries and men in, in this story. And, you know, especially like a fictional man, you know, and, and so there's been criticism there of, 
you know, some maybe unintentional or not unintentional sexism in this show. Um, and that has kind of sparked a discussion of, you know, is this a story? Is this Brenda's story? Is it, you know, there's the discussion of this is, this show is adapting a book and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily adapting the, the, the true story. real life story. Yeah. So I was just wondering y'all's thoughts. Is, is that valid? Is that, what do we think about that? I would like to go on record to log that criticism. I will, I will second that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kyle I, also loves Daisy Edgar Jones. So I think he just wanted. Um, okay. Well, that's, that's. She's amazing. I'm not saying, it, but she's like, but, I, I yeah. really, I really like her. Um, yeah. I would have loved to have had more Brenda. I think mm-hmm. they showed a lot of strength of character in little snippets and especially that her last scene there was very powerful and but I still don't feel like I really know her that well Mm -hmm. and I don't think and I think her sister who has you know spoken out about this would agree that you know we just spent hours in this story and I don't know. I I think she's I, even admitted that she doesn't see her sister in this show, like the, the, the way that they've portrayed her in the show. Yeah. Um, but I think your yeah. comment about like it's it's adapted from a book is where I've like, yes, I've obviously noticed this is all about the Lafferty brothers and Pyrie and Taba and a lot of men in the show. Um, and for me, it was more the thesis of the show, Mormon history is violent history. And that's dominated by men. So as, as someone that's very quick to point out gender inequality, um, for me personally, it actually wasn't. Um... Well, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a great criticism to say like, why are we making it about the murderers and the fictional guy? Like we've recently had more mass shootings and people are always saying like, talk about the victims, talk right. about the people who have died and make it about them and like in their life, celebrating their life and don't try to sensationalize the, the, the act or the murderer. Uh, And so I just, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I also, I kind of want to push back on this Mormon history is a violent history because I would, I would frame it believing member here as Mormon history has violent episodes you know, like uh, Mormon history has, there are, there are scenes of, of violence or violence occurs, but I wouldn't say that it is characterized or defined by violence necessarily. And okay, well, I just have, I have a few more thoughts, but discuss Sorry. But I, I think it's okay for you to say if you, if you don't necessarily agree with that, but I, I think we can pretty confidently say that's the thesis of the show. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I don't, I don't think that's. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good point. Cause I think there's sort of two arguments of like, what is the actual history, which I think we could debate for another a whole other 12 season. episodes yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but I think as far as like what the show is saying, like, based on this evidence, this is what I'm concluding. I think, yeah, definitely the show is saying these and violent and episodes was... are big enough that they were, you know, ripple through the history of Mormonism. And, and whether you agree with that or not, you know, I think we'll come down to, you know, your personal interpretation of yeah. history and everything. Well, I agree that there are 
I agree that there are violent episodes. I think, I think members should be aware of them and know what happened and, and know the truth about these episodes in our history. Um, well, and that it's not all rosy and that, yeah, you, that we can't, can't just whitewash it and stuff. I, but another part of me worries that the show is not for those people or those that the show's not going to reach that audience of mm. believing members who need to sit with this, these aspects, these troubling history. aspects, just the way the show is, was presented. Like, I just, I can't see people in my family being like, yeah, this is how, this is where I'm going to go to learn about this stuff, which is kind of, I just feel like it's a little, it's a miss, you know, but maybe that wasn't the intent at all. Well, and I think along those lines, like sort of Dan, what you were saying, but also Kyle, um, like, I think part of maybe the disconnect with the show too, is that like Brenda as a person, like as far as her sister has talked about her, like was a believing member of the church Mm -hmm. until she died. Like, so like she was faithful and like very believing, like had, you know, and, and is, I think there's also sort of an issue there of turning a story focused around her death into a story all about the loss of faith, like for, and about faith crisis and right. problematic Mormon history, where that was not what she died for. She was, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, like that wasn't the point of her death. Mm-hmm. And and so I think there's, you know, I think there's some valid criticisms in here, and I don't know if there's necessarily, you know, uh, a right or wrong to or sort of the way they adapted it. Yeah. yeah, and and we've talked in previous episodes of this show about how you know, this story, no matter who's telling it, there's going to be an angle, right? Um, And this is the angle that the creators of the show have chosen to show, um, you know, whether or not that's fair and and they've chosen to connect these certain dots. And um, Mm -hmm. I I think, I think it's important to approach it with, with that knowledge that there, there is an angle and just to kind of, interpret that as you will you know and I think it was pretty blatant in in this episode where we have because like obviously we've known detective Taba is Paiute from from episode number one um there have been light mentions of mountain massacre I believe Alan Lafferty mentions it in episode one or two and then in this episode we have the full recreation you know a, a representation of that massacre um shown violently just like we've seen other violent scenes you know Hans Mill comes to mind or Joseph Smith's murder um and it's also told through the lens of Taba being like hey let me let me tell you a different version of Mormon history and again a violent a violent history and I think it it's it it was very clear this this was the angle of the show um and I, I do think, I, I don't like that Mormons often hear about Mountain Meadows Massacre and it's almost by mentioning it, it means that like you're in the corner of the internet, you're not supposed to be. Um, and I, I wish there was a little more acceptance that church leaders have blood on their hands and used authority and um, influence to drive their people to make bad decisions. I, I just don't, I think it's a, it's a good thing to know that they're capable of, of that. 
because I think a lot of LDS folks have the line in their head where, you know, God would not let his prophets lead people astray, or he would strike them down if that happens. And he doesn't, it it happens. Um, And I, I just, I think if people could accept that it allows you to look at your current leaders with a little bit of a lens that allows you a little more critical thinking, a little more room to say, is this a good thing? Is it, um, I don't know, what did you guys think of their representation of more mountain meadows? Uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't think I know enough about it, honestly, to I, well, yeah, and have a great opinion. Is there enough known that we can say definitively that this is exactly what happened and why and who ordered what? Like, I, I, I struggled with the creators of the show kind of doing something, you know, of course they have their angle, they have the story they're trying to tell, but how does that make them any better than the church when they show one version of the first vision, you know, like this is the version of the Mount Meadows massacre that they decided to show. And it showed Mormons being kind of just brutal killers with no nuance or being conflicted about carrying out this order or whatever you know like it just like a guy just in cold blood just like points a gun and pulls the trigger and it just kind of portrayed it in such a like this is what they've been wanting to do all along and every mormon is just standing at the ready for the prophet's call to carry out his orders and you know and they're all capable of violence like it just had that sinister yeah that just didn't seem accurate (laughs) or you know or trying to portray it in a nuanced way there was a little bit of lip service to the idea of like in the what 1850s 60s whenever this was after fleeing west obviously felt persecuted and Mm -hmm. and like on edge and i think Mm -hmm. that like the, the show gave a little bit of lip service to that. And I think like definitely from the believing point of view, like that would be a lot of the just justification of like the feeling of being threatened of like the government coming in and like, and I think that, yeah, that's sort of the debate of historians on sort of all sides of, of this, this issue. Um, I can tell like, we're not going to really like get into that because one, the show just doesn't have, like, I think the show is taking too much time to even do what they did with Mountain Meadows. Uh, do, you know? do I think they needed the scene? Probably, no. Yeah. yeah. I think overall, yeah, I think that's fair. Hmm. It was and, a lot of time. Right. And I think that the other, you know, the other thing is like, we're already carving out this time to do like what is like narratively work, like what we want in the show by showing this flashback. Mm-hmm. But now like to then sort of carve out time to like, given the apologist view of what happened would, also, <laughs> yeah. would just be too much. I, 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 I think so many episodes. Yeah. Like, like I agree with you, Kylan, that like there probably could and or should have been a lot more nuance in it. Um, but again, like, like Nick, you just said, like there's not a lot of time for nuance. So they're just going to show right. what helps them connect the dots to the story that they're trying to tell. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely a show that like deserves like a creator, writer, like the, whoever sort of was involved in the episodes, writer, director, you know, creator of the show, like weekly breakdown sort of thing where they like talk through sort of like, you know, like AMC does it a lot. But like, yeah, like why did you make the decisions you did? Why, why right. did you give this scene so many minutes when 
we don't catch the brothers until eight minutes before the end of the show or whatever. I, I will say that like sort of this is jumping back to sort of your like sexism uh, criticism conversation, Dan. Mm-hmm. But I do think that like out of everyone in this episode, like Diane is the one who fi- who gets like the best resolution. Mm-hmm. I'm on team Diana all the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, awesome. mm-hmm. And I think that that at least was like a, a good moment of like, Totally fictional, I think. <laughs> but, but, but like kind of the only gratifying, like even capturing the brothers didn't feel that good. The way Jeb Pyrie's faith crisis wraps right. up doesn't make you feel good. Like only Diana, like getting Matilda in her car, getting out of the state, it's kind of the only gratifying moment you right. have. Um, and a few good monologues from Detective Tava. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um, no, I think. Obviously, I was very curious who the like the breathing in the closet. I was obviously terrified it was going to be Ron or something. Um, but I liked what I liked about that encounter. First of all, Diana was like very fierce. And again, I don't think it's accurate. Like even just the timing of driving to Florida to Utah did not right. work at all with that. in the show. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone's done that, but that is not. Mm-mm. So, uh, but the what I really liked about that scene is that um sam is that the brother's name that mm-hmm. that sees them yep. and starts to take her and she goes like matilda show him and it isn't that she attacks um sam like she doesn't force she doesn't just grab matilda and become another person forcing matilda what to do it's like mm-hmm. matilda you make a choice like you matilda push him it. away you and it's not that matilda punches him in the face or stabs him or anything incredibly violent it's just she makes the decision about her own body her own autonomy after being told for you know as dan's gone down this rabbit hole the past few years where she's just kind of been like i guess this is what god wants but you know she makes the decision encouraged by her sister-in-law to step away and act on her own accord um and i think that was powerful and it went along with the theme of when brenda condemns the brothers and um just a kind of sweet sisterhood and strength there um that i i do wish there'd been a bit more of that i yeah. i um i relate that, to that by that time she knew that brenda had been killed and so she wasn't gonna right. let another one of her sisters-in-law mm-hmm. have something like that happen so and i do think her telling everyone they should be ashamed of themselves was very That's cutting powerful. and and right. something that will stick with me for a long time yeah and i think because of the inclusion of that scene and then the scene where Andrew Garfield Pyrie is calling the Florida detective and calls her ma'am. And she's like, it's detective. Mm-hmm, and he's like, Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They're like sort of hanging a, a lantern on that and saying like, we recognize like sexism is an issue. And like, this show is going to have some criticisms about this. And like, we need to do what we can within this narrative to like try to address that. But mm-hmm. You know, in the end of the day, it's a show about a lot of men and yeah, just and, a bunch and of brothers and, and a bunch of women who really don't have a voice in a right. lot of what's going on. And it's it's interesting because I've listened to like snippets of a few interviews with Dustin Lance Black, who's the creator mm-hmm. of the show. And one of the things that he always repeats and he always says, like maybe giving him motivation to make this story is talking about how um like women in the church don't have enough of a voice or enough of a um, autonomy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of the, 
the idea that there's a lot of this going on. It, it's it's interesting um, because yeah, it is a time period where you know women in the church maybe didn't have as much voice as even they less do. than they have yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah, which is not equal either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, yeah, the show definitely paints a pretty bleak picture of like when patriarchy goes to an extreme, even within like the believing sort of side of it, you know, orthodox, mainstream, whatever right. side of the church, like, um, yeah, that, you know, there's still lots of toxic masculinity and patriarchy and, um, mm-hmm. or can be. And yeah, sure. and, and so it's interesting that, um, you know, with him talking about that so much that there's also the side of looking at it where, where it's like, well, we don't see a lot of Brenda or right, right I, you know. I kind of like it's almost worse to say that because it's like well you didn't really give him a voice right. in this show either right um but yeah it's hard for me to criticize uh Dustin Lance Black though because he's you know he created something and he's been working on it and thinking he about it years. for a long time yeah and mm-hmm. and, and, and I think movie and yeah I think it's a pretty big accomplishment. Like, you mm-hmm. know, obviously there's going to be criticisms, but like he accomplished something that's kind of big and kind of impactful. I'm, yeah. I mean, from looking at the whole series, like the temple scene and Andrew Garfield's faith crisis alone to me, put this in a, he has accomplished something no one has ever done in yeah. in a movie or a TV show. Um, so yeah, we can, we can, we can yeah. pick at it, but there are there are several things that he he truly is the first one to have done it and i'm sure it was no small feat yeah. to get to get that done yeah so as much as i don't necessarily <laughs> like the show or want to rewatch any of the episodes like it is one of my favorite podcasts they always say at the end like it's pretty dang impressive that dustin lance black made a show yeah which exactly you gotta give it to him yeah yeah um, yeah i mean having i think that's one of my always one of my takeaways and why I like at the end of the day, it's hard for me to criticize any movie or show too hard because like, I just they know how hard, yeah. how hard it is to make anything in yeah. Hollywood. But why was Jeb with his mom in the last scene? Like that. <laughs> well, and I think that's like going sort of jumping off what we were just talking about of like sexism. Like I think one of the characters who's given the least interesting sort of role to play is jeb's wife who what's her name Mm, darla that's not true is it deborah karen i don't know maureen no it's not any of those i think it's it's, uh rebecca but but like i I have to sit and think and i probably only know because you know that's my wife's name and so like (laughs) that's probably the only reason that like that stuck with me and yeah and i like she's just given sort of a very bland like unfulfilling sort of role in this show and um was a little disappointed that like her her existence is purely just to advance Pyrie's character right, right? yeah like a lot of it is it that's that's the point um should, should we talk about the ending is that where we're getting at like how they tied up well, yeah, let's talk about, so we we leave season, episode six where I think I said last week, like it was the best episode of the series, such an impactful, powerful performance by Andrew Garfield. And we were all kind of last week <laughs> eager for the finale to see like, how do mm-hmm. we wrap this up? Where does it go? And based on our text messages, <laughs> I don't think any of us were happy 
with how right. that resolved. I, I think episode six was a way better yeah. episode. Definitely. I did um, see the, the director of episode six. She said on, on Twitter that um, FX is putting that episode as the one up for award season. Like, mm. Oh, they definitely. And, and this, I think totally like that's the one that should be up for like Andrew Garfield's everything. acting mm-hmm. consideration and, yeah. and everything. And so, yeah, definitely the right choice, but yeah, the high of that episode, like emotionally led to a big downer didn't for really me emotionally. Oh, in this one. Yeah. Just not. Yeah. What didn't we like? What was not fulfilling? We had a lot of monologues from Taba and I think we can talk about those in a bit, but like, Love so Andrew Garfield comes home after this huge experience. And at the beginning of the episode, he and his wife are fighting about, is he going to bear his testimony? And he's trying to tell her like, this is problematic. You should see what our daughters are saying, whatever. And then he came, comes home, gives her a kiss, prays with his eyes open. And that's, that's it. Huge. <laughs> Praying with your eyes open. <laughs> and, like, means and it's you've like, lost your faith. No, but he's still... To me, it's like, okay, I guess he's deciding to fake it. Like, that's how I read it. How did you guys read it? I think they left it very open-ended. And maybe that was because, well, there are a lot of people that are watching this that have gone through faith crises. And uh, some people choose to stay in the church and believe. Some people choose to stay in the church but don't really believe. Yeah. Some people might leave a little bit later. Maybe he becomes inactive. Maybe he... You know, and so I, I'm I'm saying this as maybe they left it that way so that wherever you fall on the spectrum, you can kind of you jump still in, see you can still jump into his shoes. But mm-hmm. I agree that that was very well, at least like the resolution with his wife was very unsatisfying to me that like mm-hmm. their conflict was like glossed over. He he mm-hmm. doesn't like make a stand and say, I can't bear my testimony. I love you, but I can't bear my testimony. Like because also earlier in the episode, there are multiple mentions where he's saying accurately, there's a lot of Mormons that feel this way when they leave the church. Um, if she, like, I will be single. And she even tells him, I will raise my kids with an active priesthood holder, you or someone else, mm-hmm. um, which again, her character development, like, um, but, but then he just comes home and everything is fine ish. Yeah. I don't it's know. Weird. And, and then he has a scene with his mom. It's not with his wife. It's with his mom. Where he just repeats something that Taba said to him Mm -hmm. a few hours earlier, which I thought was a nice sentiment. And I didn't make this connection while watching, but a friend pointed out that, you know, Taba mentions he's singing that song and he says, I don't believe it anymore, but when I sing it, it feels like home. Like it's comfort. Yeah, Yeah. And, and, um, and so Pyrie can pray with his family and maybe not believe that anything's happening with that prayer, but at least it feels like home or he can stand with his mom looking out into the wilderness, which where were they? Did they do that what? earlier? Like, is that a thing? Does that they do? was so random. But it felt like home. And, and the line that like, why do we have to give God the credit? Like, let's just, it's a miracle that we're here together. Like, okay, that you just learned that. Like, it's not even your line. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. And like, I, I like that sentiment, but I, I don't think it was like, I thought it was weird. weird. It was weird to end with that because it didn't really relate to the rest of the themes going on. 
Is that how you closed this show? It felt the tone, like the, what the word be, the vibe mm-hmm. of this episode was all over the place. Yeah. Like, but not yeah, connected. Definitely. I, I thought it was very impressive how Taba just like straight up does like three really good prayers from three different faith traditions. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, like you've got some spirituality in you that you're not really uh, sharing fla- with the class too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which I did. I liked that because we've been so in the weeds on Mormonism this show, right? Like we were mm-hmm. like in the, the offshoots of the offshoots. That's right. literally what we've been talking right. about. And here we have someone who just takes us to the 30,000 foot view. It's like, yeah, y'all step are back a minute, real yeah. wrapped up in Mormonism, but like, there's other faiths out there. There's other ways of thinking. And I think Taba, do I think this was the episode for the monologues? Maybe not, but I do. I liked um, his thoughts about faith and miracles and um, even, you know, his, his breakdown of mountain Meadows massacre. You know, I know we already talked about if the scene should have been there or not. Um, But I think that was a good way to maybe, flesh out what Andrew Garfield could be thinking or how you reconcile some of that uh, without it being Andrew Garfield talking to himself in his head or something. Mm -hmm. However, I thought it was a big reach for him to be like, use your Mormon knowledge to help us find the brothers. Whereas (laughs) the whole series has been about let's follow the evidence. Let's, you know, let's follow the next logical step. And he's literally like, Tell me what. <laughs> well, I, I don't think he was Mormon. telling him to like follow the spirit. I think he was like, well, use your, use your knowledge. He was saying to like, is, two together. is your Mormon gut. Like, yeah. Mormon gut. Mormon yeah. I was reading it as like, what's your Mormon hunch? Which to me is basically him saying, yeah. if you have the spirit, guide us to the right place. I was like, wait, this is off brand. Um, yeah. So. I also did not love how Andrew Garfield's story wrapped up in this. And I feel like had, had we recorded this immediately after I finished last night watching the episode, like, I feel mm-hmm. like I would have come in very hot and bothered <laughs> and like very angry about it. Um, I can only imagine it, Nick. Only... <laughs> Whatever. Nick is always like the most like that's why I'm saying like I even, just to picture it. He's even like tempered. so fair to everyone. Yeah. The nicest post Mormon I've ever met. <laughs> no. I thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, and I do try to like I, I think that's sort of like or at least what what got to me is we haven't really talked about sort of the general authority moment in this where he came right. to the prison to talk to Jeb. And then we find out it was his wife who sort of called to mm. instigate this mm. visit. And I think that, you know, that whole visit, the takeaway from that is that he's trying to say, like, let's like brush the truth under the rug and just pretend so that the, you know, everyone is okay. And like, we don't no boat gets rocked and everyone's good to go and we're all happy again. And at the end of the episode, and Andrew Garfield like kind of holds his ground there with the help mm-hmm. of Alan of like saying, I'm not going to, you know, bend the Do knee yeah. to, you know, the church right now. Like my, I'm, you know, trying to solve this murder and honor Brenda. But in the end of the episode, Taba's like basically saying, 
hey, if you just want to sort of brush it under the rug and pretend, that's okay, I think. And that's sort of where I saw this episode ending is that Andrew Garfield ends in the exact place that at the beginning of the episode, he was not wanting to end for the murder investigation. But personally, he's willing to like sort of take a few notches on his ethics to keep his family together. And, and, and I'm sure I'm reading a lot or like sort of, I'm bringing my own emotions and experience into that yeah. because that is extremely frustrating for me because <laughs> I could not do right. that. Like when, yeah. when sort of faced with that choice, like I'm very grateful that my wife, when we sort of talked about my faith crisis and loss of faith in the church and um, that it wasn't a conversation like you know, what's depicted with Andrew Garfield and his wife. Oh, okay. Rebecca. Um, his wife, Rebecca. Her name is Rebecca. Yeah. Yes. His Rebecca, but- my Rebecca. Very different. <laughs> um, but, um, and, and it was because like, you know, while like, I don't, I'm glad that like, it never came to like a, it's, you know, like our marriage or the church sort of right. conversation yeah. ever. Like if it had come to that, like for me, it, it would have been, I mean, it would have been hard, but it would have been like, I can't pretend like, like living a lie is not an yeah. option. Yeah. Like that is, that is literally it, going to destroy me to right. do that. And it does seem like that's what Tava is maybe giving him permission to do when he says we all need a home. Right. Um, which, you know, as Tava has been this mentor and um, colleague, you know, we all love Tava and, and while I get that he was, you know, basically telling Andrew Garfield, like, go home, see your kids, whatever. I felt like he was undercutting his journey. Um, and that made me sad. Like, again, as someone that right. loved Taba the whole episode, I was like, he's right there. And you're telling him, you know what? It's okay. We all, we all believe <laughs> well, I, made up stuff anyway. Exactly. I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that it's because he doesn't like, at least the show doesn't address sort of the issue that really is behind that is that like for Taba to say, you know, my traditions growing up, you know, in the, uh, in the Paiute tribe, like to go back to those in a moment of need, isn't that big of a deal in the long term, like to say the prayer that he sings, but like the, you know, Mormonism, as we've seen, is like such a high demand religion, pretending to believe in, you know, like to pretend to be an active Mormon when you don't believe is going to be such a like personal, like the difference between who you are internally mm-hmm. and who you have to be externally is so big that like I, I there are people who do it and more power no, to but them, it can but, it can eat you alive though right I mean, that that it costs your mental health a, a lot of things yeah and and so we leave like this and that's for me like the ending of this is like Andrew Garfield's like mom isn't it just great to be together and then like I think we should have ended with like the Mormon sort isn't of like, it about isn't time? it about time, time. you know sort of the, I mean that's the, basically where we ended was the like it's all just back to family and that's like aren't we glad we just have each other and for mm. me it's like no Andrew Garfield no. is walking into a very tragic ending like the next if if there's a season two season two of this is Andrew Garfield having an awful period of his life trying mm-hmm. to live a lie and and this whole episode is and the whole show I think really a, a, an aspect of it is that idea of like 
this general authority saying it's okay to like lie if it's for God. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Garfield says, I don't think it's okay to lie if it's for God, but it's okay to lie for my family. To keep my wife happy. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and after say, you know, seven episodes of him being so adamant at like finding the truth committed to case, the truth. it's just, it, it, it's disappointing to me. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with what Tava said. And I like a lot of what he said, but when you put it in the context of like everything that Jeb has been fighting for, like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit anticlimactic or disappointing. Right. Well, and like Taba should know, we've seen that Taba knows enough about the LDS religion that he knows it's all consuming. Um, and I think I maybe would have been okay with that comment if Andrew Garfield had come, gone home. And I guess maybe selfishly, I wanted him to model, like, what are we supposed to do? Like someone like, okay, you just had a faith crisis. Then what, what do you tell your wife? How do you do that? But instead it was just, okay. Again, saying prayer with the eyes open. like Right. And, and yeah, I'm like, we started the show with Andrew Garfield's family saying a prayer before bed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're bookending it with another prayer with his family, but like you said, Jenny, like now his eyes are open mm-hmm. and he's not mm-hmm. like playing the part the same way. And that's not yeah, satisfying. I mean, that's not, I, d- I didn't, I didn't might, watch eight hours of television I mean, yeah. to be in the exact same spot. <laughs> is he doing it for his mom? Like is, is his mom play a larger role than when I'm giving her credit? Like, is he watching her? Yeah, I don't know. Watch him. And is he seeing the satisfaction on her face? And that's giving him like some sort of peace that that makes him feel at home or something to be like, okay, my, you know, I'm giving my mom, I'm helping her faith by her seeing me still faithful. I don't know. I'm trying I, I to just, find something I, here. Episode six was so good. And I just, I, I'm so sad. I'm so sad. What did he say at the end? Didn't he say like, can't we just be here and enjoy it? Like yeah, she yeah, it's basically like I think it's a miracle just to be here with you. Yeah, yeah, she she mentions God and like isn't God aren't God's creations wonderful? Isn't it a miracle that God made all this? Mm-hmm. But then it was a callback to when someone said like, isn't it more of a miracle Tava. if nobody mm-hmm. if it just came into being? And so he's he brought that back and yeah, he just said, yeah. isn't it just a miracle that we're here? And so mm-hmm. to me that was kind of like saying well, I'm not going to like join with you, mom, but like, can I just like appreciate it here with you? Right. She seemed okay with that. She was okay with that. Again, (laughs) and and Nick, I, I missed, I I was really hoping for like, you know, like the photos of the actual people with like, they had nothing. I actually think that's kind of mean. Here's what happened. Like, you know, in 1987, mm-hmm. da, 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 right. 19, da, 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 you know, Ron Lafferty was on death row until he died. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I missed that. When there wasn't even a picture of the real Brenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I felt again, I think because I also was just hit so hard in this episode that Brenda was a real person who was really violently murdered. And that is sad. Like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. ever wa- want true crime to desensitize me to awful things happen to people. And it's, 
it ruins lives. Um, I did. I did see someone tweet a week or two ago, and now I can't remember who it was to put it in the show notes or anything. But their tweet was to the effect of like, "If I'm murdered and you make a true crime TV show out of my murder, I will haunt you." Like, please do not. <laughs> yeah, like we're weird. Why do we? Do yeah, this? like such a weird aspect of our culture right now. What, like, how obsessed we are so, with true crime. Yeah. yeah, we're so fascinated and obsessed Ooh. with real people being killed and uh but nick i feel like again because you are just always kind and generous with your comments like any other heat you want to throw like i want to know if we had recorded this last night like what would you have no i mean i think um it mostly would have been what i said before just louder (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, okay so you got the sentiment yeah i mean like i think yeah the sentiment is that it just feels very like like um, they've betrayed Pyrie's character, I think, okay. in this conclusion. And and I think that if we got to see another episode or two, like we would see that he he can't keep it up. He can't. You know, like yep. that, you know, he'll probably will go up and like bear a testimony in Sunday uh, or, you know, in, in on Sunday in sacrament meeting. And it'll be sort of a very vague like testimony that everyone will be like, oh, he's, he still believes after all that murder stuff. And his wife's like, you didn't do enough. Yeah, and like, like she, she you know, knows. and that's going to be the yeah. constant sort of back and forth. It's like, he's going to be policed, I think, on whether he is doing enough or not. And, and I think, you know, they just didn't resolve enough in their relationship that, mm-hmm. and I understand. Yeah. There's no way to resolve that in this TV show because of, like we were saying before, this TV show is so ambitious. They bit off so much to chew and they chewed a lot of it really well. <laughs> there's a lot of, lot of chewing. But, um, you know, but there's, there's some, some choking stuff. hazards left over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. But speaking of the show handling a lot at once, like I feel like this episode was a microcosm of the whole series because we did so much in this episode. Like we have the general authority come in he dust we have the dust oh, of the dusting feet. of the feet yeah holy cow so strange we have that, well, reading dan's journal um and the line uh who's the um hostess that's feeding them like oh um nourishment and whatever at and the circus circus yeah the circus circus reference circus. that we keep saying like <laughs> which is like the casino in reno the, in the um belly like, of the which i just love that it's all written like it's, it's written, written like scripture, like Bible right. fan fiction. And then it's like circus, circus. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, verily, we did go to circus, circus. <laughs> um, and then you have Ron trying to kill his brother. And then you have the other brother betting on horses and betting different money. Oh, yeah. And then you have Onias <laughs> telling him he's wrong. And then we have the list. And then we have Diana. And we have oh, Matilda. And we, so have, much. Yeah. we have yeah. the Lafferty <laughs> matriarch being like a weird, like the woman from Psycho, like the, like what we also have brenda's full-on murder in this episode right. mm-hmm. like what why i know it was 90 minutes but i just i felt like i didn't know how to feel like i obviously there were some gut punches and things but it just it was all over i i went in with high expectations and i was really sad but um, it's still impressive that dustin lands black made a show yes yes sorry creative people please <laughs> Still keep put stuff in the universe. Um, okay, but sorry, back to the dusting of the feet. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think especially Dan, Dan and Kyle, like 
what is the craziest like testing feat story from your mission? Because I feel um, like every mission has to have one. They, right? There, there are, and there were like yeah. I okay, um, sorry. Tell me, remind me what this is. So the dusting of the feet, as far as I understand it, is kind of like the opposite of a blessing. Uh, <laughs> it's the, a cursing. Basically. It's a cursing. <laughs> basically, uh, a divinely it, approved cursing. Right, and it comes from the New Testament. That I think there's a scripture. Mm-hmm. Right, that essentially, like the disciples, you know, right. if like you the go apostles. into a city and no one will accept you like it sort of dust your feet and like a city mind you a city right a like city. you know um and you know then god will know like they don't get blessings for a while and sort of that yeah. city gets cursed and and you move on and so okay so and i so think within lds ahead. yeah within lds theology i think they kind of took that scripture and turned it almost into an ordinance of sorts where it's like an official thing that um like old timey missionaries or like apostles or general authorities can do to kind of like, if, if something really bad happens, like smite you kind of, it's almost like a, a minor smiting that, that they can do on a city or person or group. Oh my goodness. Um, like I kind of, I knew what he was, when I saw it, I was like, Oh, it's like the weird doesn't fit, but I have never heard anyone talk about it. Well, you know, if, if, if you got on a mission, you've heard of it. Oh, like, yeah. I, I was told uh, that like, <laughs> I was told by like, that we should never do it as missionaries. And like, I don't even know how it would be done. Like, it's not I like mean, there's the a manual or instructions. <laughs> but, um, oh, really? Tell us. Like for reals? What does that mean? For real. Oh, I mean, tell the story. I think he just, I think he was just making a symbolic gesture. And he, uh-huh. he was the type that would get very passionate and heated and uh anyway yeah we we were leaving a house and he he kind of did it like in a Dorothy there's no place like home style where he just kind of like knocked his feet together Mm -hmm. um so and I and I was like what do you should I are we do I am I doing this this together yeah he was my first companion and he so he was just he would just kind of like click his heels or like knock his feet together and our shoes were, we were in Peru and our shoes were definitely dusty. dusty. So it, uh, dust would come I off. Mean, felt very legit. Yeah. But, um, is this just like people cool. wouldn't listen to you or they like, yeah, they're just like, no, we in? won't get baptized. And we're like, cool. Dust your feet. Yeah. Yeah. There was the urban legend in mind of like some laundromat where missionaries had gone to Tulantri on P day and like the owner had like taken their garments out and like put hung them up to sort of, you know talk about what the symbols mean or whatever and like and so they came in and like took them and like dusted their feet and then the place burned down the next week and, oh my god oh my and god. so it's the sort of thing where it's like well where was it and it's like i heard that I story know. i heard that story in the mtc so i think that's probably one of those ones that's like <laughs> exactly and so yeah but everyone's like well it was in our mission i just i can't tell you i don't know where it is and and, and like i was under the impression that there's like there's a little bit more formality to it like like an ordinance right which i don't know if that's true or not but like i i heard that like the only like legitimate ones were like back in like the 1800s where like there's a couple cities in europe where the apostles like were rejected pretty hardcore and Hmm. i don't know i I think it's mostly just like the the faith promoting rumors that get passed around missions about it but i don't know well they they get rebuked here yeah he was not happy with 
Jeb Pyrie, Jebediah. <laughs> Your story, Kyle, about um, the sort of the senior companion made me think of, I went on splits once with, you know, some other younger missionary. And like, we went up to someone's door and talked for like 30 seconds. And he was like, I'm just not interested at all. Like, go away. And we're walking away. And the, the, you know, missionary that I'm with, he's like, that was his one chance to get to the social yeah. kingdom. Like he's done. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't that awful? And it's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> that's, like, that's pretty much what I told him. I was like, what kind of God do you believe in? When I think that's just speaks to the, the mentality of like, like the whole idea that like, you could do something like just dusting off your feet and God's going to be like smack down time. Like <laughs> you. On, I'm, on I'm these two people. Every 19 year old. Right. Out on a mission to see who clicks their heels. You know, I just like it just, especially as missionaries, it speaks to sort of the, like the ego that comes with like being missionaries. Oh yeah. And, and I think that we see that definitely at play in the scene with the general authority that like, like he's, trying telling them to like brush a murder investigation under the rug for the sake of the good name of the church and and that sort of thing is like totally believable maybe not in the exact way it happens here but this is what is this our third or fourth church leader that's kind of on case sinister i think by this point i was like okay which i i was okay with it once we learned like like his wife you know, sent out the hounds, but y'all just keep coming out oh, of the I just, woodwork. I really thought Alan and the, the general authority were going to just throw down. Like that was getting <laughs> tense, man. Yeah. Also, does Alan just get to stay for free at the jail? Like, <laughs> I, thought he got to, yeah, I thought he got to go home. <laughs> They're going to deputize him eventually, I guess. Stay long enough. No, but I, I just wonder like for how, how many people out there that aren't Mormon and or like even that are or were like how many of them would know what that dusting of the feet was all about yeah right like it's yeah very it's it's interesting to throw these very like niche super like you said the super fine detail that Mm -hmm. not everybody's gonna get because we haven't talked about dusting feet before this and we didn't talk about after is it just a is it another reminder hey y'all mormons are weird af like i don't know (laughs) or at least like i mean you know if if someone's balancing on the edge of belief and you know what they're going to do like pyrie sort of is if you put enough stock and sort of this for lack of a better word like superstitions of the Mm -hmm. church like you know that's a moment of like well do i really want to be cursed probably not (laughs) maybe um so i don't know i mean like it definitely could be a moment sort of justifying the like why he would stay sort of you know an ex-mormon yeah. term of like physically in but mentally out of the church yep. like he does at the end yeah another thing that has come out this week okay so did anyone listen to the radio free mormon the there's an interview that dan lafferty that. gave in the year 2000 like on the radio or something yeah mm-hmm. and i'm too scared to listen to it yeah i, I want to listen to it it's on my list but also uh, i'm a little bit creeped out to... i'm disturbed yeah. because i was doing god's will i mean i <laughs> i had <laughs> to do guys. it i was i was marrying you, you know do what god told me you want me to be who god wants me to be don't you i will do it's really you good know. kyle I will go anywhere. I will do anything. Oh my gosh. That's like the exact pitch. Um, I think you have, you have a career in uh, 
punchable voices. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very punchable face. Um, no, but the, uh, you know, if he gave that interview on the radio, he's serving multiple life sentences. So quick recap, the men are captured. Ron Lafferty is given, uh, he's death penalty essentially, but sits on death row for decades and dies Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dan Lafferty, not given a death sentence, but is serving multiple life sentences. So I'm just curious, like he gets to give a radio interview in the year 2000 and does he admit to them? I don't know. I'm too, like so, I said, I'm too scared to listen. Um, but I'm so, wondering if that's a place to get yeah. some truth. I, I listen. So Dustin Lance Black, the creator of this TV show actually went to the prison and met with Dan Lafferty and had an interview and met with him. Ooh, and it's, it's a little bit chilling. Like he, he has a, he goes on radio West, which is like, like an NPR show in Utah mm-hmm. yeah. um, and talks about his experience going into the prison and talking to Dan Lafferty. And like, he mm-hmm. talked about it being really eerie and it was really eerie to listen to him talk about that. And he said that Dan Lafferty still feels justified and that like they did the right thing and that they're still oh. on God's errand. And he mm. said that when he started asking about like, he asked about the accuracy of the book and Dan Lafferty said that the book was like, you know, he's like, that's how it was, you know? And, um, Oh, Oh, I have also read that he actually was okay with the book because it was like getting his, his point across story out there. Yeah. Which yeah. Is and horrifying. And he said this, and this is like really creepy, but, Dustin Lance Black said that he started talking about, you know, the murder. And then he saw that Dan Lafferty got like excited and wanted to talk about it, almost like wanting to brag about what he did. Oh my gosh. And so then Dustin Lance Black like moved away from that conversation really quick because he didn't want to like give him the gratification of. Right. right of well, and it sounds like that. So oh. the, again, in the, in the post I've seen about this recorded interview, mm-hmm. Like everyone is like, that is so chilling. Like I'm disturbed all of it. So I don't know. I don't know if I ever will get the guts to do it, but please let me know if any of yeah. you do. Um, yeah. But apparently it's on radio free Mormons podcast. So yeah. Um, but yeah, like yikes. Um, and the fact that he still believes that, you know, that came from God. Yeah. That is scary. And is there no way back from the fringe? seems I, I feel like I need a story of someone on the fringe who like came back and found a way back well, to rational Alan, thought <laughs> what about Alan what's he doing now he I, apparently he lives like in Saratoga Springs or something he's he's in Utah oh, wow. somewhere yeah okay oh. um I, I, I saw some right? post about it in that in that Sunstone watching group mm-hmm. on Facebook right um Apparently he's, he's still around. He's lives in Utah. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm also, I have one more question and maybe I don't pay attention, but I want to know why Brenda died. I don't, I don't know if her sister agrees that she died for the reasons that the show is, is depicting. Yeah. Get the feeling that. Yeah. I've written reading some of the interviews with Brenda's real life sister um you know she's sort of saying i think from her point of view she's saying i don't see religion in the justification sort of or the reason why she was killed like it's more 
uh, crime of passion, like that they were angry about sort of the divorce, Ron's divorce. And so was it more about getting Diana out? Yeah, of Ron's like it's sort of, okay. yeah, that at least I think that's my understanding of sort of the interviews I've read is that like she sees it more as like Brenda helped get Diana away from Ron and it was more sort of revenge, like passion as far as mm. that. But for me, Do it's we like, know if the list existed. I think it did. Uh, yeah, it did. But to me, like, it's all so wrapped up together that, like, Dan Lafferty still is, like, proud of this and, like, sees it as God calling him to do this. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, in their minds, like, the, it's all wrapped up too much together. Like, what's right. from God and what's from their own, like, yeah, this was all just them wanting revenge. And, like, Brenda was the target that they could reach. But at the same time, can can you separate Brenda's faith from her decision to get involved? Like, did Brenda die because she was sticking true to her faith and her principles and, you know, felt God wanted her to do that? Not, not because she had a blessing from general authorities. I don't know if that part's accurate, but just because that's who she was. Anyway, I'm, these are all questions I'd like to yeah. dig into. I, I do. I did want to say, though, that um, it is true. We, we hear it from the accomplices in this episode, but um, the the actual murder, they, they go, they kill Brenda and Erica, and then they did go to the Lowe's house. I think it's the Lowe's. Mm-hmm. And then they get lost going to the third house. And mm-hmm. um, so there was like a route and a plan. Um in real life like that's what's on record um what they learned about the Lafferty brothers in the 80s and then that's in the show I think um Mm -hmm. but they say that like they basically got lost going to the third house and decide they kind of lose steam at that point um and decided to hightail it out of there I guess it's a good thing they didn't have Google Maps back then I know (laughs) um or like cell phone I don't know the whole or just the idea that like I, we got lost. We don't know where we're going. That must be God telling us not to do this. Like, revelations like they can never be wrong. Like no, you can never be wrong. It's always God telling them. Yeah. And I feel like I know Mormons in real life who are like, oh, that, where it's like, yeah, can never be wrong. And it's like, no, like, I'm pretty sure it's, a, it's just okay to be wrong. Like, yeah. can, everyone makes oh. mistakes and you don't need I to did. say that it's a sign from God. I didn't think it was really funny when the um, the dealer's like, I have a lot of people pray before they win money, but once they win, <laughs> God's gone. And yeah. these guys prayed after winning. And yeah. I'm sure that's <laughs> fictionalized, but I thought that was hilarious. Just to put the capstone on the season, the season which or maybe the whole series. I don't know if there's going to be more seasons, but it, it kind of feels like... Uh, you know, like seven strong seasons of Game of Thrones and then an eighth season that just kind of is like, really? That's how we're ending? Because, well, who am I kidding? I I haven't been a huge fan of the show, yeah, so I can't yeah. say it's been like a great journey. But uh, I'm really glad. I'm glad that I watched it. I'm glad that I participated in these discussions and that there's more things to research and think about and... Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really where Jeb is at right now, but I'm, I know I'm at a different place than I was when, when we started. And so I appreciate all the insight and the, you know, all the thoughts that, that everyone's been sharing. I feel like this journey has been worthwhile for me. 
And I say, no, <laughs> no I, I also, I know at the beginning, I kind of was saying like, I don't know who's going to be watching this. And we've talked about it a little bit, but I have found several, um, it's always more nuanced friends of mine. Um, but it has led to really good conversations with friends that I didn't know were on the fence or in the middle of a faith crisis. Uh, but it has facilitated conversations with them about where they're at and, feeling very seen by the, you know, the Andrew um, Garfield's faith crisis and all of that. So when we started this series, I didn't actually know that there would be any Mormons in my life I'd be talking about it with. Um, But it has, it has led to some really meaningful conversations. And I've, like, I, I think I've said every episode, like I always have something new to Google um, and learn about Mormon history, which you know, I care more about Mormon history now than when I was an active Mormon. There was a lot. This it was just a lot. So it was it was good to digest it with you guys. Yeah. No, it's been a good run. Uh I think we laughed, we cried, everything in between, <laughs> right? Oh man, it was so many things. It was so many things. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, like I'm super grateful this show exists. Mm-hmm. Because I think there was enough in here that really resonated with me, especially with Andrew Garfield's depiction of, of like a Mormon faith crisis, that I'm glad it's reaching people who at least have this as a frame of reference to sort of get it, mm-hmm. um, even if it's not 100% accurate, or, you know, we can nitpick over some some of the details. I think that, you know, there's enough in here that really resonated and feels accurate to the emotions of what that feels like. And, and I'm glad that uh, we can add it to the list of movies we've talked about that have been very not Mormon. And we've sort of like stretched some comparisons, maybe like this this one one is is like, yeah, this is quite quite in our wheelhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have to stretch quite as far. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll miss it. Well, yeah. I don't think we've seen the last of both of you. I'm sure we will Yay. have you back for episodes <laughs> in the future. And we just need, you know, this is our call to Hollywood. If someone needs to make another Mormon TV show for us. Yeah. Well, let's find a way to wrap up this episode. So I'd, I'd like to propose that we change the name of this podcast to Banter of Heaven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all, all of those in favor, please make it manifest. <laughs> opposed all of those opposed <laughs> so much branding work has already gone into it can't, can't yeah. change now yeah maybe it'll be a spin-off podcast mm. no thanks thanks you guys thanks for all the listeners that have put up with our banter of heaven um yeah but it's it's been uh really really good chats with y'all no we, we appreciate it and thank you so much for giving up like over a month of y'all's Friday nights to, yeah. to do this. I guess, I guess we'll have to go get a social life or something. Yeah. Now, but. <laughs> this has been social. I mean, <laughs> these are friends. Yeah. yeah. And we also have a lot of good episodes from that we've recorded previously. So right. check those out. I'm going to selfishly um, plug our Encanto episode. Oh, y'all, that was I such a good episode. The podcast. So, so if you if like you this, are a new listener, yeah. Yeah. If you like this, go listen to their Encanto episode. It's so good. Yep. There's a lot of, lot of good episodes. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, we will night. see y'all next time. Yeah. Bye. 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 Post Mormon at the Movies is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
follow us for regular updates and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can download episodes as they become available. Thank you for listening, and we will see you at the movies next time. Thank you.